hey, this was a stupid joke, but the parrot liked to uh, sing the chorus of a uh, a Motown uh, hit. Bad, bad Leroy Brown, baddest man in the whole damn town. That's not Motown, that's like Jim Croce. Oh, that's not Motown. Yeah, but it's a great song. There was a podcast called the Sequelcast that talked about movies. Movies. And they also talked about something else called boobies. Boobies. Oh, it's the Sequelcast. Oh, yeah, the Sequelcast. It's the Sequelcast. www.sequelcast.com. Monkey butt. Bad, bad Leroy Brown. Houston, we have a problem. Counting down in five, four, three, two. Take it. Double or nothing. I only have one. We have ignition. Showtime. Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. The sequel cast is a podcast that reviews movies in a franchise, one film at a time. I'm your host, Matt. Uh, we're in the middle of looking at the Home Alone quadrilogy, although it's never referred to as such in box sets. Uh, we're looking at Home Alone 3. Uh, written and produced by John Hughes, uh, like the previous two films, but it's directed by Roger Gosnell, who's better known uh, now as a director for uh, things like Scooby-Doo 1 and 2, the live-action films, but he was actually an editor on Home Alone 1 and 2, so it kind of makes sense for him to take the reins as director, and this one does not star Macaulay Culkin. Instead, it stars a child moppet, Alex D. Linz, and uh, has a bunch of other no-names in the cast that vaguely look like characters from the past Home Alone films. Uh, it, you know, it came out, of course, by 20th Century Fox, uh, released December 12th, 1997, in the United States, uh, with a running time of 102 minutes. And uh, while it uh, still too made... Long, too long, Yeah, 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 yeah. But while it still made money off a budget of $32 million, it had a domestic box office of $79 million. Uh, You know, they didn't make more movies with this kid uh, in, in the lead. So, and as the poster says, it's bad news for bad guys again. Uh, I would say it's bad news uh, for the audience again. Um, you guys Jesus. sound like you don't like this movie. Uh, well, well, I, what do you think about uh, that? Okay, so I have co-host on the show, of course. We have Thrasher. Hello. We have uh, Georgia Jersey Jason? Jason. Jersey Just Jason. Just go Jersey. Okay, Jersey. I agree. I, Georgia. Yeah, it's, it's, I agree. Uh, it makes so much more sense. Georgia Jason with his grits no, and No, Jersey pages. Jason. Okay. <laughs> Jersey Jason, Jersey, uh, Jersey Jason, and we also have Jersey Jung. Oh, very, yeah, very nice. Right. Yeah, special know. guest Jersey, Jersey Jung, yeah. uh, also known as Russell, who uh, we have not heard uh, on the sequel cast uh, since he was a guest uh, way back uh, earlier this year for the Karate Kid One episode. Uh, Russell, welcome back to the sequel cast. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. This is very impromptu to have Russell on, which I have no problem with. It was all done via Twitter, so it's uh, modern technology. Yes. An exciting, exciting thing. Thank God for social networking. 
Yeah, and speaking okay. of that, you can follow SequelCast on at SequelCast, or you can follow uh, Thrasher on at Internet Mayor, and you can follow Russell on uh, at uh, SuperCop007. That's right, yep. And, and SuperCop is a reference to the Jackie Chan film, I, I take it? Yes, yes it is. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I have not seen New Police Story. Is that a good movie? The fifth it's one? Pre- it's actually pretty good. Is it? Okay. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. See, is it? see we, have, we don't even want to talk about this movie. We're talking about other movies. <laughs> yeah, yes. You're, you're going into a different sequel here. Sure. So, I mean, Home Alone 3, uh, I don't know about you, uh, fellas, but the first time, I guess before, well, let's talk about the show, the uh, movie a bit, and then we'll get into sponsor stuff later. Um, Home Alone 3, the first time I saw this was for the sequel cast. I was in uh, high school when this came out in the theaters, and I felt like I would have been a pervert seeing this in a movie theater. And since it did not see Macaulay Culkin, uh, I did not decide to see it when it came out theatrically. Uh, what about, uh, what say you, Thrasher? Uh, I avoided this film uh, when, it, when it came out. By the time it came out, I had absolutely no interest in Home Alone. It was like, oh, wow, this is after the fact. Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't like, I, I just didn't see it. Uh, I didn't see it for the first time until just a few days ago. I watched it for this episode. And I got to say, that time I spent not watching this movie was time well spent. <laughs> uh, Jason? Uh, I I hadn't seen the movie, and I still have not seen the movie all the way through. Oh, okay, but you, you saw a little bit of it. It's a tough I movie got, to say. I, I really yeah. want that time back. No, I, I agree. Uh, Russell? I You know what? I just saw it last night. And you said you uh, um, rented it from the uh, library? Uh, yes, I got it from the library. Okay. So I, I went there, picked it up, stuck it in my computer, and just watched away for, I don't know. No, when you got this from the <laughs> library, did you get any strange looks from the librarians? Strange looks? No, no, no. 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 Okay. There, not not in particular. I, I didn't notice anything. Movie. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, Home Alone 3, you know, they couldn't get Macaulay Culkin back, obviously, because... He's too uh, old. Well, yeah, he was too old, although supposedly a, uh, a, there was a pitch with him as the star again or something floating around out there that didn't get off the ground. And, I mean, Macaulay Culkin, you look at kid actors, and this isn't uncommon, but he was a huge uh, nova, mega nova of a star, as child actors go, after Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 uh, lost in New York. And after that, he did movies like uh, a, a theatrical adaptation of The Nutcracker, um, as with him doing ballet dancing. And he did, you know, things like The Page Master, which is a cartoon live action thing. Oh, he also had his own television series, Wish Kid. Did he? Yeah. It was, was it a, a cartoon it a, or? It was, yeah, it was a cartoon. Okay. Yeah. There was like there there was like a live as is standard for a cartoon based on a famous person. It would open with like a live action segment with Macaulay Culkin, and then the rest would be animated. What is you? What is pretty interesting about it is that Macaulay Culkin voices his character for the entire series. And that, the, that is unusual. Pr- you know, we we're talking about Jackie Chan earlier, and in the nineties oh, yeah. there was a cartoon series I think called Jackie Chan Adventures or something. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And and in it, Jackie Chan did the voices for the sound effects. So when he would punch and go, hoo, hoo, uh, you know, like he'd be getting hit. But the voice of Jackie Chan was done by a white guy in in the cartoon. It made to sound very, you know, I, I'd say stereotypically Asian. But Jackie Chan's English has never been great, so I'm not sure how I should phrase hey. that. Speaking of China, Home Alone 3 starts in China. In it Hong does. Kong. It does. Know. You know, I would call Home Alone 3 like uh, Home Alone meets Mission Impossible meets Spy Kids for, like, toddlers. 
Very true. Uh, but yeah, it the beginning. Kind of it has a very spy feel. And you know, you have, cool, you have these guys with. No, no, it's got I spies, feel. number one. It's got spies, it's got a few gadgets, and uh, it's really shocking this was written by John Hughes. But keep in mind, at this point in John Hughes's career, uh, while he was still making Buku Bucks, he was writing kids' films like Beethoven, the one about the big dog with Charles Grodin. He was writing things like uh, the 101 Dalmatians uh, live-action uh, remake with um, Glenn Close. You know, so, I mean, he was firmly... Uh, what is it? Baby's it also, Day Out was another one he seem, did. It doesn't seem like he knows how to make... It felt to me like he was trying to make... Um, lethal... No, 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 I'm sorry. Wait, uh, it felt to me like he was trying to make Die Hard. He was trying oh, to yeah? put his Home Alone movies... With Die Hard, which is what a lot of people kind of said it was. A little uh, bit, like you know, kind of like, I think like like the past Home Alone films, and I'm drinking, if you can't tell, a mixture of hot water and uh, brandy, because my throat is shot and I'm a little bit uh, sick. Brandy. That's why my voice sounds. Oh, Jesus. No, no, no. But But, this movie. Yeah, go on. Okay, this movie just, it feels, it starts out like, like sneakers. Or some really cool, really great uh, Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, you could even like, drop the intro. The guy in this. is like, "Where's my money? The chip? Uh-huh. All that." Yeah, you could drop this intro into uh, any like late period Roger Moore James Bond film, any James Bond film from the '80s or '90s, like a Pierce Brosnan one, even, and it would fit. Really, I mean, it's, it's taking place in the late '90s. It deals with a uh, presumably like a, like a Japanese conglomerate or something trying to get hold of a computer chip. No, no, it's it's a Korean terrorist. They spe- they specify that towards North the end Korean, of the film. North Korean, let's specify even I'm more. I'm sorry, yeah, no, North mm, Korean's important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so also, Spinovich, okay, yeah. now I'm going to say this. Okay. Do not judge me, especially you, Russell. Yes. If North Koreans <laughs> are looking for the chip, why didn't they send ninjas? Because that's Japan. That's Japanese. Yeah, that's, they're, they're Japanese. Now, is there a Korean equivalent of a ninja or a samurai or something? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure, actually. Right, I mean, uh... Because we ask our one ninja. I'm, so, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm one <laughs> I, I, I do want to say to, to all... I want to say to all our Korean listeners out there, um, when uh, Jersey Jason Thrasher and I were in college, we would uh, frequent a uh, excellent Korean restaurant in the outskirts of Savannah, Georgia. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, that and I, I enjoy kimchi. I enjoy Korean food very much. I sadly know very little about the culture, and uh, but you're right. The beginning sets up. There's a missing computer chip. It's decided to be hidden inside a remote control toy, and in the meantime, there's a, a band. Uh, instead of having two, uh, you know, wet bandits in the other films, this is a completely separate group of four uh, international thieves. Uh, one of which. Uh, is French, or at least has a French accent. He could be from Quebec. I don't know. Um, he he it, was like his accent was foreign. Like he didn't seem to fit any country. Yeah. He's just from a place that isn't America. I think it sounded French, or certainly uh, European. A little, a little Scandinavian, I think. Oh, that could be. It sounded mm. a little Scandinavian. But and I think that's part of the issue with the film is oh the last movie had two bad guys this time we'll have four. And a problem with that, like, they have no personality. And yeah, one's a woman, but who cares? Like, nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, even no, though... No, the- she is the sex appeal. She's the sex appeal for the, the fathers who take their kids to this movie. That's uh, the reason no, you have her. Uh, I, I think she's pretty. I agree. But regardless of that, 
how sexy the female thief was in Home Alone 3, the only high point of the film for myself, is that, um, you know, Harry and Lloyd as the wet bandits in the first two films, these weren't Shakespearean characters. They're not complicated. You have, like, a streetwise guy and, like, a stoner idiot. But it works. No, it's kind of like, if, like, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern were played by Falstaff, you would have Harry and Lloyd. Uh, and if they ate a few more bags of Fritos, yeah, I'd agree. But see, but, they're, they have dimension to them. These characters don't of, seem right, to have much dimension. Some sort of dimension, certainly a repertoire in the uh, back and forth in the dialogue. And right, hey, I don't, mean to be, I don't mean to be racist, but you know what? I also had this thought. Okay. Why not just let the Libyan terrorists from Back to the Future go for the <laughs> chip? Because in truth, because the way, okay, this airport, the security at this airport, and the way that they This is before they September together, 11th. Oh, it is. Well, okay. still, I mean, yeah. they, yeah, oh, God, they they lose the chip in an airport. I think that part is believable. I enjoyed the setup for this film. What they happens is, like, gonna, they decide they're going to get on a plane going to Chicago. They just decide after security. They don't have to buy their tickets. They can buy their tickets right at the plane. Yeah. no, As, as it's boarding. Yeah, as it's, yeah, right. May, uh, may I, I, I call a little bit of bullshit here? Okay. Because, like, one thing that, that drove me nuts, like, I don't think these guys are, like, at no point do I feel that the thieves are competent and thereby threatening. And one of the reasons that I feel that way uh, is because they wait until they get to the airport to hide the chip. Like, like right. you should have hidden that first. But also, that, that it seems so weird that they hide it. In a remote control car, why not hide it in a big bulky walk- Walkman, which were still being manufactured at the time? Why not hide it inside a big bulky cell phone, which is what everyone was using at the time? Why not? You didn't have hide that many. It? You didn't have that many cell phones being mainstream in '97, or perhaps I'm uh, not remembering things correctly. No, no, they they did, but they still had some bulk to them. They could have mm. just taken a cell phone, pulled all the works out of it, and then popped the chip in there. It just seems. I don't know. It seems like there are so many better places to hide the chip. I don't buy that they would have put it in that toy car. Like, I, it, but, the only way pressure, I can see putting pressure, it in the toy it car fits. is desperation. It fits. It fits perfectly into the car. It snaps <laughs> in. I'm surprised at how big it was, though. It. Yeah, no, That's it's a very big huge. for a micro chip. The um, mutator. It goes on a missile. Yes. Yeah. Compare the size of a missile to the car, it's a small chip. Well, actually, another thing about the missile, it's apparently supposed to, like, it's a missile cloaking computer chip. So this chip generates a cloaking field? No, 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 no. It just, like, makes it blank on other systems. It, like, creates, yeah, I guess it would be a shield. It creates a cloak, you're right, from systems. Not then from why don't they just turn off. it on so no one can see it? Because that would make the x-ray machine go all weird, and obviously they would have to shut that down and go through each thing, and I don't know. <laughs> well, then the car would be all cloaked, too. I mean, I, I think the, I think the setup, even though they do the switch off of the, uh, the chip in the car at the airport itself, which I agree is kind of dumb, it is kind of clever in that when you're at a mall, you got a lot, or at an airport, I'm sorry, it, it's not unlike a shopping mall. You have a lot of time to kill, and there's not that many shops to choose from. So it's very conceivable people would have identical bags from the Gap or uh, the Borders or, or whatever. And no, I, that, the mix up with the bags, I think, is very believable and, uh-huh. and very good. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, as is the case with Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, as we discussed on last week's episode, and you can check out all episodes of the SequelCast at uh, www.sequelcast.com or look up SequelCast on iTunes, search SequelCast, or if you want to support us with uh, one of our sponsors, uh, SequelCast is also on uh, Stitcher, which is an app uh, on the iPhone or uh, Android, or you can listen to it on the uh, computer at stitcher.com. And if you go to, if you sign up for it at um slash sequelcast you have a chance to win an $100 uh cash prize and uh, doing uh, that it, it automatically it, uh, adds sequelcast as one of your favorite shows to listen to and what it is it's you can listen to sequelcast as well as other uh, great podcast streaming on the go you don't even have to download the whole 80 megabyte file for the episode so it's streaming, it's very forward-thinking, it's just another great way to listen to the sequel cast at Stitcher.com. Sign up at Stitcher.com slash sequel cast. Man, so whoring us out so there, is, Uncle Milkshake. Uh, is it an app for all it, these it, different things, too? Uh, I'm sorry? Like an, So it's an app for like iPhone and uh, Android? It's an app for iPhone and Android, and um, it, it whatever. if you have a smartphone, there should be a, a Stitcher app for it. And it's free, okay. it's a free, it doesn't cost anything. And uh, you can listen to a lot of other podcasts besides us, you know, uh, streaming, and you can pick what episode you want to listen to. It's just a real convenient way instead of if you don't want to sit around and download a, a file that can take a long time. It's an other way to listen to us. So, And it's a sponsor of SequelCast, I should say. And as for other sponsors, SequelCast is an Amazon affiliate. If you go to SequelCast.com, we have links to where you can purchase the movies we're talking about. Uh, on the website, and you can also donate to us via PayPal at the link uh, on SequelCast.com. And we have a blog now at SequelCast.blogspot.com, where uh, Thrasher and I have written a series of articles on stuff we don't even talk about in the in the show. Uh, just about, not necessarily even about sequels, but it's certainly stuff about movies. I think it's fair to say. We do indeed talk about movies. And the best way to talk to. Uh, us, the host of SequelCast, is if you go to Facebook and search SequelCast, we got a page on there that's fairly active, has a lot of trailers and stuff we're talking about on the shows. So that's it for the plugging for this episode of the SequelCast. Back to Home Alone 3. Um, hey, you notice um, Mrs. Hess, the woman who gets the bag with the, with the toy car in it, do you notice that whenever she is moving around, like, outside of her own home, she looks like Marlon Brando from the Island of Dr. Moreau? She's not that obese. No, no, she she has that freakish pale cake makeup face and like her whole yeah. body is wrapped up and she just moves all stiff. I mean, they're trying to make her look older. I think before we go to that, um, one clever thing they did with the casting in this film is even though it's not the same family from Home Alone 1 and 2, they clearly cast people to look like that family. It's not Catherine O'Hara as the mom, but um, the actress that is the mother, uh, Haviland Morris has, like, red hair, longer red hair, kind of resembles Catherine O'Hara. And she, uh, as a, one of the brothers of uh, the Alex, the boy in this movie, has spiky hair and is an asshole like Buzz from the other films. Did you <laughs> notice that? Yeah. Because like, they have a lot less kids in the movie. Oh, yes, a lot less kids. And, you know, I, I, I would assume a lower budget, too. And that's, a, you know, when you work with kid actors in a Hollywood union project... There's a limit to how much the kid can be on set. And I thought of that when I was watching this, how much of the action focuses on his remote control car, how few scenes feature 
the uh, star of the film, Alex D. Linz, as Alex Pruitt. You know, I did find when I was I was looking through the the, the cast list there, and as I was watching the movie, that they seemed seemed to feature the siblings a bit more. But as well, the siblings themselves are probably you know one some of the actually more famous people to come out of the movie, like Scarlett Johansson. Oh, exactly. And yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Seth Smith. Plays... He's he's a baseball player. He's a, is he? Or an active that. baseball player as well. Huh. He plays for the the Rockies. How about that? Fantastic. Yeah, no, Scarlett Johansson, you know, is the highest, uh, you know, nowadays the biggest star from this cast. And Alex D. Linz, uh, Jason, did you recognize him from anything, the main uh, boy in the film? Uh, I know he's from something. I, I He looks so familiar, but I, I couldn't place him. Right. Um, you know, he, he was the kid in One Fine Day, a romantic comedy with George Clooney and Meg Ryan. No, I've never seen it. Yeah, uh, I didn't see it either. But he did a lot of voiceover work. Like, he was the young Tarzan in the Tarzan Disney movie. And uh, he did a part of another young boy in uh, the uh, Don Bluth animated film Titan AE. He's getting a lot of young boy parts. Well, he was a young boy at the time. Um, I so thought he was a Muppet. He looks like a Muppet. I don't know. He, <laughs> I, 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 th- I think as a kid actor, he has kind of like shaggy 70s hair. And uh, for the age the character is supposed to be, he's okay. He's not bad. He's not a smart ass like uh, Macaulay Culkin is Kevin McAllister, but he's just like a sweet little boy. They're trying to return to being in a Chicago suburb house alone, like in the very first film. It's kind of a return to form. But uh, why is it not as effective? Oh, I, I know uh, several reasons. I When I was watching this movie, I took two and a half pages of notes. Why? Well, I find that's the only thing that can help me concentrate on some of the movies we we watch. Okay. Like, it, it was it was a crutch to get me through this. But one of the things that really bothered me about this movie... Well, first, you know, you do have, like, it opens in Hong Kong. You think you're watching a different movie. They introduce these bad guys. Then they have to introduce the bad guy's plan. Then they bother introducing the kid. And I think we really should have been introduced to, the, to, to, to Alex immediately, as soon as possible... But the other thing, in the previous two Home Alone movies, one incident, one misunderstanding, one mix-up is what separates Kevin from his family. Yep. And the Home Alone 3 takes place over several days. Uh, and so the film has to keep finding ways to get him alone in the house. And it really starts to get really strained that every day something comes, his dad has a business trip, then his mom has a crazy meeting, and then something else happens. And it, there's, there's, it really starts getting contrived because they have to keep finding a way to get him alone again. Well, I mean, in this film, he has chicken pox is the thing, right? Well, yeah. they, they say he does, and he has some red Sharpie marker dots on his chest. Yeah. But, I, but that's not chicken pox. Has anyone here had chicken pox? I know I did when I was a kid. I had it for two weeks. Okay. Uh, uh, Russell, I think I had it in uh, maybe it was first grade. Okay. So and, uh, I don't know if I don't know if Jason would remember or not. Jason, do you recall having I, chicken pox? I remember you. I remember you having chicken pox. Okay. But I never had them. Oh, okay. Because um, huh. I remember because Russell used to have the best attendance in school. That's right. That was the only time okay. that he was ever beaten. Was the chicken pox? Yeah. No, I I, I had it and. Um, I had lived overseas uh, when I was younger and moved back to the States. I was in, like, third or fourth grade. 
uh, living in uh, Centerville, Virginia. And I got chicken pox from some kid at school and had to take a, what was called an oatmeal bath, where you'd get these packets of uh, formulated oatmeal and dump it in the bath and soak in it to try and stop the itching. I don't think kids, uh, I feel old saying this, but I don't, I don't think kids nowadays get chicken pox as much because I think the immunization has gotten a lot better against that sort of thing. But while I had chicken pox, my younger sister was in first or second grade, and she made sure to drink my cups and eat off my plates <laughs> while I had chicken pox, so she could get it when she was younger, so she didn't have to deal with it when she was older. You know, I heard something about, um, they, they had these Facebook groups, I think this is somewhat recent, Oh yeah. That they would gather up kids together that had chicken pox, so just oh, so then they parties? could, yeah, these pox <laughs> parties, it was, yeah, it was just huh. very strange. Wow. Well, what's so weird yeah. about that, it's like, do, do you know how I got chicken pox? One kid had it, and everybody got it. There, there was no conspiracy. It tr- it's a disease that travels quick. If one kid in your school gets it, over the next month, everyone's going to get it. You don't right. have to find ways to infect your kids. Uh-huh. And if you happen to be an adult that gets it, or a teenager that gets it, it can be potentially a lot more fatal for some reason. Um, so... Like I said, I don't think it's as prevalent in uh, elementary school as when we were children uh, in the eighties. But like, I, like I, I might have been left home alone while I had chicken pox. I don't remember. My mom worked the graveyard shift, and my dad worked uh, at a nine to five job, more or less. So I don't know. We would rather talk about our diseases than Home Alone 3. <laughs> well, but it, as you said, Thrasher, it looks so fucking fake in Home Alone 3. These yeah, chicken it doesn't pox. affect his health in any way. If no. anything, he's more energetic and active after he gets chicken box. He's full of piss and vinegar, and, uh, you know, before there's the real series of uh, traps and things at the end of the film, he kind of notices that uh, these uh, crooks find a Chicago, and they're... They put a tracer on a on a taxi or something. No, they they went. No, they they found a cab driver who has no no no. no. Let's let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the beginning. They actually take a picture of the taxi with a camera in the guy's knuckle of his glove. Right. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Takes a picture a... with a glove camera, and, and somehow it ends up on the Palm Pilot that he's carrying. Well, yeah. hey, synergy. But why does that exist? Why would you have a camera on your fist? Why not put it on your glasses? He has a cool machine later on in the movie that has like a magnifying lens camera on his glasses. It, the technology it, in this yeah. is flawed. It is. And you know what else is flawed? That okay, we know we know that the car gets the bag with the car gets mixed up with Mrs. Hess's bag. What does Miss Hess have in her bag? Bread from San Francisco. Now, first off. Who buys bread in another state and then flies it back to where they live? Okay, Thrasher, I'm going to correct you in this, although I have not been to San Francisco in um, almost 20 years, probably 20 years when I went through on vacation last. But San Francisco is known, among other things, for its sourdough bread. So perhaps it was a fresh sourdough loaf, which I agree, after being on an airplane, would be dried out and maybe a touch moldy. But, but the other thing that bothers me about that is that at no point does Miss Hess notice that her round, wrapped up in deli paper sourdough bread has turned into an angular cardboard box that, weigh, that weighs more. 
Well, but she gives it to the boy for cleaning up the snow in front of her house. After it's been on a st- been with her for several hours on a plane. She's an old woman. Yeah, she clearly has dementia. She's very, very old. And as you said, the makeup makes her look older. Um, and, and again, the relationship in this film of Alex with uh, the scary neighbor Mrs. Hess is supposed to echo the relationship with the scary uh, neighbor in the first film and the pigeon lady in the second film. And none of all well done. Not at no. all well done. And why, why, why do you think it's not as effective, Jason? Well, I think she is such a cunt. Okay, um, uh, explain. Okay, well, no, she's evil. She is evil. She's like, okay. well, if I don't pay you, then you'll tell everybody that uh, I didn't pay you, that I'm stiffing you on the thing. Like, and you, it's a little kid! Ugh. But she gives him the car. But at the same time, there, yes, like, there's a reason for her being such a bitch. Really? What's that reason? I don't know, because I didn't get to it. I was hoping you guys would explain at the end. <laughs> no, there's no reason. They never explain it, although towards the end, uh, for whatever reason, the crooks tie her up in her own garage and leave the door open, acting like that's going to make her freeze to death. Uh, and that would take quite some time for her to freeze to death in that oh, way. So I have a very special note here on, yes. in my file for, for that scene. Is the tie-up scene supposed to be so erotic? Uh, why did you find it erotic, Thrasher? That's a more well, interesting well, no, question. That, what does it... <laughs> well, the thing is, like... The, well, because at first it's the lady spy tying up yes. a supposedly powerful woman. Yep. So already you have a role reversal and a you know this weird power exchange. Second, the lady spy tying up this old woman seems to be enjoying it a little too much, and is doing all <laughs> of the things that you would want a dominatrix to do <laughs> when she was tying you up in your kitchen and then leaving the door open. I guess I can see what you mean. Like, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to wow. do. You're, you're, you're trying to create, see, Jason, didn't you wish uh, you watched the rest of this film for that scene? No, I don't. And I, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that says so much about you, Thrasher. It, um, uh, it says that about Christopher Columbus, too. Uh, he was a producer in the film, I believe, but. Um, oh, I was thinking he was actually talking about the Explorer. No, I'm sorry, not Christopher <laughs> Columbus. <laughs> John Hughes, John Hughes. Chris Columbus was the director of Home Alone 1 and 2, and uh, although Home Alone 3 shares the same cinematographer as the first two, Julio Macat. But I also don't think, though, I don't think that it looks, it doesn't have the same feel in the camera angles. It looks looks cheaper. It's a different director, Roger Gosnell. His directorial debut. It definitely definitely looks cheaper. It feels like a ripoff of Home Uh Alone. Right. It, there's just something about the feel, the acting, the, the, uh, the, just everybody just seems like they're going through it. Nobody really seems like they're acting. Uh, there's just something wrong. Our sponsor on Sequel Cast 2 and Friends today is Podcorn. Let's talk a little bit about them. Hi, this is Matt Bradley Shirky, host of the Sequel Cast 2 and Friends podcast. And I just want to tell you about a, a real fun personal experience I had using Podcorn. Podcorn, it's a unique online marketplace that connects podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, ranging from host read ads to topical discussions and interview segments. And uh, so why would this be interesting? Well, this is a podcast, right? SQLcast 2, it's a podcast. And if you're listening to it, I bet you have an idea for a podcast yourself. And uh, and when you get to making one, or maybe you already have one, you, you really need to think about getting, uh, getting a sponsor. 
because podcasting is a hobby. You know, it's it's not cheap. Any any money you can get to wet the beak a little, as a Thrasher likes to say, uh, would, would help greatly. And so with Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all size, shapes, and sizes can uh, browse and choose opportunities on the platform, set their own rates, really easy to use. You don't have to give up any rights to your podcast. And uh, Podcorn supports you there every step of the way. In fact, initially, I was unsure if uh, this podcast was like a big enough one to even be on their platform. And I got a response right away from their uh, technical support. Really nice. Really, uh, We had a good sort of conversation clearing up any confusion I had with them. And I'm sure uh, they would do the same to you. They just want to give podcasters transparency and creative freedom. And I think and that it's easy to use. You're not going blindly to a site, emailing them and going, oh, hey, hey, sir, hey, miss, can I go and uh, uh, would you like to sponsor my podcast? Uh, you, you know, if you do that, no place is going to get back to you, especially if you don't have that much of an audience. But, you know, Podcorn, they take, uh, they're very open. They want to help you out. So uh, I would highly recommend them. So you can click the link in the show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities for your podcast today. Thanks. And uh, now we go back to our show. I, I thought one of the big things for me, at least right off the bat, was that the, uh-huh. the score was definitely a big downgrade. Sure. You don't, have John, you don't have John Williams doing the score like in the first two films, uh, although it uses a few of the same uh, leap motifs. But the music is by Nick Glennie Smith, better known as doing the, you know, like now he does, he helped with scores for such uh, films as Transformers 2 and X-Men First Class. Uh, he So, I mean, he's gone on to bigger and brighter things. But you're right, it doesn't have a full orchestra sound. It sounds kind of cheap. I kind of like a, a solo piano take on the Home Alone theme at the very beginning when Alex is walking across the snowy street from the mean old lady to his own house. I thought that was okay. But you're right, the music doesn't feel as boisterous, I guess, as in the past films. Definitely. I thought I thought the, the feel of the movie really felt... You, you do get that cheap feel from it. You have a lot of the, you know, very typical type of, uh, you know, like 90s music mixed mm-hmm. in with the score... And it just doesn't feel right. It's a good thing you brought up the 90s music. Uh, on our uh, Facebook page, if you go to Facebook and look up Sequel Cast or on there, I posted a, uh, a clip off of YouTube. There's a, a titular song done for this film called My Town, uh, performed by the band Cartoon Boyfriend, that has this lyric that is potentially questionable in a children's film. And it, it's a, an annoying 90s uh, pop punk sort of sound. This is my home. I'll be standing here alone. And if you're ready to see hell, come on in and ring the bell. Now, I'm not a religious individual. I don't, I'm not offended by the word hell, but I do find it curious. Good, because you'll be spending a lot of time there. <laughs> I'm sure I will. <laughs> but uh, I find it very curious. In, in a PG-rated children's film that appears to be aimed at four-year-olds, that you use the word hell in a in a song that's used in montages when you set up the trap. Like, I don't know. Well, you know what else is weird? And I, and I, I actually have a whole blog post on the sequel cast blog devoted just to this. But at one point, the kid is, uh, Alex, is like messing with Mrs. Hess's TV from across the across the way. Yeah, he, he likes his the gadget, so he makes some kind of a custom remote, right? Yeah, he, it's a remote attached to a telescope, so we can basically snipe with it. But, like, he... He's like messing, changing her channels, and at one point he puts it on this like these very erotic images, 
and that's and then like very briefly you see on the screen Jamie Foxx experiment. For some reason, they put clips from Jamie Foxx's experiment music video in this movie. And it's like, having now seen the video, and you can see it on the blog, we link back to it, that's, that's a pretty sexually charged song with a pretty sexually charged video. It seems out of place in a family holiday film. But the point is, he wants to put something on the TV that will embarrass uh, Mrs. Hess, right? I suppose so, but like, it, it could have... like. There's any number of things crotchety old ladies will get in a huff over. It didn't necessarily have to be a song about trying new sexual positions. Is that what the song's about? Yeah, like the lyric, like that's like, Cause we don't need no one's permission Just to try a new position, hey! And like, that's, I'm butchering the, the integrity of the song, but but yeah, it's, it's, all about, it's all about trying different things in bed. So naturally, the question comes to mind, if someone was to do a sexual position called the Home Alone 3, uh, Thrasher, what would it be like? Uh, it's three people. Okay. Uh, you have three people. It's a, uh, each one naked standing in uh, a corner of a room so that one corner is unoccupied. And then everyone runs into that corner at once so that they can all get in that corner and fuck. But then their heads conk together with a coconut sound and they pass out. Things, you know, it's amazing what you can learn in the sequel cast. Uh, kids, if you're listening, try the Home Alone 3 sex position next time you got a sleepover. You, you it'll know, uh, it'll you treat you right. Are you saying it's not going to look like what happened to Mrs. Hess? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you shouldn't say, hey, kids, and then say something about a sexual position. By kids, I mean the <laughs> average audience of the sequel cast. That which, doesn't make it sound any better. Um... You know, surprisingly, uh, aside from, you know, uh, downloads from uh, the United States, most of our downloads are from either Australia, uh, the United Kingdom, or China. So. Good on you. Yeah, it, China's it, the one that's got me. I imagine a lot of the Chinese ones are spam, I would think, or, or bots or whatever. How, wait, how, did, how does spam work when, when the spam listens to something? Only the spam knows. Hey, as long as they're increasing our numbers, I don't care. You know, we're almost at the end of 2012, and we are, we're nearing upon 16,000 uh, listeners altogether since we started cool. two years ago, which, wow. uh, w- which isn't so bad, I think. Yeah. And so it, it's, so it's the think, what? Is the listenership increasing? Um, it, or is it's it just bit, movie to movie? Uh, movie to movie is, is a large part of it, Russell. Uh, but I think... It's it's been pretty steady for the past year. I, you know, still the the most downloaded episode was the uh, uh, episode on the Hobbit cartoon, because I uh, cross promoted it with the website theonering.net, dot uh, net, which is a big um, website for uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit live action movie stuff. So all those nerds are listening. Yes, I would say, if you're listening to the sequel cast, you're a nerd, I'd say that's a fair uh, thing to say. Sure. Back to Nobody's going to download this episode. Nobody wants to know about this movie. The least downloaded episode of sequel cast, as I've pointed out before, is The Two Jakes, the sequel to Chinatown, in which Thrasher and I did poor Jack Nicholson impersonations and also had a trivia contest in which no one answered, uh, entered. 
So, but hey, that's still it's still been seen or listened to by as many people who saw the two Jakes. That's probably true. So it, we got twenty minutes to go, fellas. So oh, uh, yes, oh, okay. Um, in in the first two Home Alone films, all of Kevin's, for lack of a better term, death traps are all real simple things a kid could set up. But Alex builds Rube Goldberg devices, Explain. which actually. I didn't mind. I actually liked that. I liked that he was a clever, technically minded kid who had like some homemade gadgets mm-hmm. around his room yeah, that actually you know, you know, made violence, some of the bigger traps. Believable. The violence in Home Alone 3 is toned down compared to the other ones, but it's still stuff that could potentially kill people. Uh, I, I didn't think of uh, uh, a bit where a guy's in an attic and he tries to let down the stairs to go further up into the attic or something. And a lawnmower comes down upon him, an old-fashioned, non-electrical lawnmower, and it just gives him a really bad haircut. But it would likely, if not kill him, give him a mild concussion and give uh, lacerations across the face. Yeah, there's a couple of weird, like, there's a couple of weird things like that. Like, one thing that actually really disturbed me is that Two, two of the spies, when they, when they have their assault on the house, two of the spies are, like, wearing uh, this, like, heavy winter camo suits. And they've got these, yeah. like, belt loops that they, can, that they keep shotgun shells in. Well, first, one problem. Only one of them has a shotgun, and it's neither of the guys with those suits. But two, <laughs> when, when they get electrocuted, the yeah. shotgun shells go off. That that's like that's those are messy explosions. Their their hips and genitals would be loaded with buckshot. Yeah, and you know, I, I see this film. I see that it's clearly trying to aim at a younger audience, and that it was somehow written by uh, legendary John Hughes. And I I just think to myself, I can see uh, little kids really enjoying the more uh, cartoon Tom and Jerry nature of these traps compared to the first two Home Alone films. While I didn't get a kick out of it, I didn't laugh hilariously. I can imagine, I I suppose a a second grader might enjoy this movie. Like, I don't know. Like, I just seem so far removed. Watching Home Alone 3, I truly felt old. You know what I I mean? Or or that this was not the film for me. I thought Uh, there were too, too many traps. Yeah, no, it certainly. went on yep. and on and on. Yeah, how did he set that up without any of his parents knowing? He's a, he's a wily little boy. I don't know. I mean, oh. you know, the, the, there's a trap where it's a, a boxing glove attached to a, a spring. When someone opens a closet, they get a boxing glove in the crotch. I thought that was okay, but, like, that one seemed kind of practical. But a lot of the rest, it's almost science fiction. Well, you notice that the boxing glove he has set up, and it nearly gets his mom. Yeah, right. That like he he's turned his house to a death trap with his family in it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's no way he could have set up dozens and dozens of traps. Oh, when also, his parents were away in the few hours it took. Did you notice some of the traps only work if Alex is psychic? Uh, what do you mean? Okay, well, for instance. Uh, for instance, in uh, the the very early on, uh, when the crooks are trying to when like after the crook gets hit by the the improvised electric fence in the bushes, uh, he goes up to the front door. 
and the the main the main spy like points out, oh hey look this this door is booby trapped. Uh, if you open it, that barbell that's all is going to come down the roof and hit us on the head. So he gets out a knife and he cuts the cord that would trigger the barbell. Only it doesn't trigger the barbell. Cutting that cord causes a uh, an armoire full of books to get launched out of the attic and land on them. And then when they open the door. It triggers the dump, the barbells, which falls on them. So, so Alex had to suspect that they would find the first trap and disarm it, but then rig up a second trap that would be armed by disarming the first trap. But that arming mechanism on the first trap is still a decoy, so that the first trap can still be armed when they after the second trap is triggered. Well, see, Thrasher, that actually that brings up a good point that I'd like to make. Um, I want anybody who's listening to this. To go see a movie called The Collector. That that's a horror film, right? It's a horror film from two thousand and uh, two thousand and nine okay. about a thief who goes into a house, like he breaks into a house, not knowing the house itself has already been rigged with a series of deadly traps by another crook who's not there to steal anything. He's there to torture and kill the people who live in the house with all these insane, like razor wire traps and and. And jagged knives and and slippery floors and things that McAllister, I, I'm pretty sure that um, that Kevin grows into the collector. Let me tell you a bit of trivia about the collector, if you don't mind. Go for it. Okay. Unless we talk about unless we talk about Home Alone three. I, I agree at that point. Uh, the collector was you know written by um, written and directed by people that had won the uh, the writing prize in the third season of a, a show that I dearly loved called Project Greenlight, in which writers and directors, you know, collaborated to make uh, bizarre independent Hollywood films, basically. And But these guys also wrote, like, Saw 4 and 5, and The Collector was meant to be a prequel to the Saw series about the origin of Jigsaw. But for some reason, with the rights issues, that couldn't quite happen, so they decided The Collector would be its own thing. And uh, the, the Saw movies, I don't know if you've seen any of these, Jason. Have you? Yes, I have. Right. Uh, so, I mean, um, at least the, the first three are about a guy who wants to wreak vengeance upon people that, um, that are sinners because he himself is a, a terminal cancer patient who values what life is. No, it's not, about, it's not about sin. It's about people who aren't doing the right things with their lives. It's the people mm. who are... Um, who are no, not ignorant. They're lazy. It's people yeah, who aren't okay. living up yeah, yeah, to yeah. the to what the the to what Jigsaw thinks they can be. So, in truth, then if Ke- uh, Kevin is the collector, then does this kid in this movie, what the heck's his name? Alex. Alex. Does Alex turn into Jigsaw? Well, in the later Jigsaw films, it's not Jigsaw. It's uh ah fuck. It's Tobin Bell. It's the girl that worked that got no, 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 her head it, almost exploded. It's the girl and it's the police detective that does stuff for yeah. her. But uh, that, that's regardless of the point. Like yeah. I, I enjoy the Saw movies for uh, various reasons, but this is Home Alone. But, you know, another film imagine that reminds... These, uh, imagine if these traps were lethal. Well, think well, another film something... that has a lot of traps is Panic Room, starring Jodie Foster, directed by David Fincher, who is coming out with the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh, American film uh, at the end of the year. Even though the they already did uh, Swedish uh, movies based on those books, yeah. But like Panic Room, the director admitted this movie has a lot to do with Home Alone, and that's a film in which a uh, 
a mother and her child are in a high-security home and robbers come and break in and try to steal shit. Like, it's a high-profile remake of Home Alone, almost. But they're after one thing. Actually, you know what? It's almost like uh, it's almost like Home Alone 3, because they're after one thing. And it just so happens that one thing was, like, in the house before she moved in, and it's in the panic room. What are they after? I haven't seen that film since it was in theaters. You know I what? Don't I don't remember, remember but okay. I want to I say it was a chip that could control missiles and prevent them from being seen <laughs> on radar. Well, and the, uh, the little girl in Panic Room, you know, now is uh, Kristen Stewart, who is the girl in the Twilight movies, the lead in those. So, um, okay, awkward silence, cricket, cricket. <laughs> yeah, you said Twilight, I shut up. I did. Uh, have you seen the George Takai video about Twilight? No. Oh, if you look on YouTube, uh, and this is highly preferable to watching any part of Home Alone Three. Uh, so on YouTube, on YouTube, there's been a bit of a battle between William Shatner, who played Captain Kirk in the old Star Trek series, and Carrie Fisher, who played Princess Leia in the. Uh, oh, uh, saying about the, them being uh, the Star Wars, uh, which one's right? Yeah, saying which is better, Star Wars or Star Trek, which has been an argument among uh, geeks for um, decades. And uh, wait, seven. And uh, George Takai did his own YouTube video, which he said, you know, uh, we should all stop fighting Star Trek and Star Wars fans and really point our uh, anger towards Twilight, which is about a girl who can't decide what boyfriend to choose and has no moral or redeeming values. And and it's very tongue-in-cheek, as George Takai has been with his numerous appearances recently on the Howard Stern show. Oh, well. Yeah, oh my. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you two don't want to discuss Home Alone three, do you? Right, Russell. Um, Russell, Russell, can you do yes. a George Sakai impression? <laughs> I'm sorry, a George Sakai impression. Let me yeah. see. Um, okay. Oh, I need I need to think of something. Yeah, because the last time I saw him was on Heroes. Oh right. I remember, yeah. yeah, I don't remember what he. You know don't what? call I, I me. I can't think of anything. <laughs> no, don't call me. Historical figure, but in his voice. And George Takai did a fantastic... I think it's actually pronounced Takai, not Takai. It is Takai. Uh, right, Takai. Uh, he did a great job doing voiceover for a very bizarre Cartoon Network animated series called Adventure Time, uh, based, off a, based off an internet cartoon, um, where he plays a... It looks like a human, a realistic human heart with uh, anthropomorphic features with eyes and nose and a mouth, and he's trying to take away the princess or something. But it's very disturbing, this uh, realistic heart with a smile a smile and huge eyeballs uh, with George Takai's voice. I don't know. It's uh, I, I enjoy the series, but it's very bizarre, even for Cartoon Network. Back but to anyway, Home Alone oh, 3, which is what you're supposed to be fucking talking about. Well, hey, here's a, hey, here's another gruesome flaw with this film. Home Alone 3 doesn't buy the premise of Home Alone 3. Because at several points, when, when Alex starts to get suspicious, when he thinks something fishy is going on in his neighborhood... Yeah, because the, the robbers have a scheme of... They don't know exactly what house the scene is ripped off of, so they're going to check out every, uh, you know, all dozen houses along the block to see which one has the, the car with the chip. Which is not a bad way to find the car with the chip... Although they really don't need to buy a house on that block to facilitate that, especially since they're only going to be there when like everyone's at work or at school. But but the thing is, yeah, uh, they're Alex really cutting into their budget. Alarms. 
And at one point, though, when he realizes that maybe it's this weird circuit in his remote control car that they're after, he call he ends up calling the Air Force. And the through the Air Force, it ends up, you know, it all works its way back to the FBI. So the FBI goes to Alex's school, and the FBI agent who's been after these four crooks for a hell of a long time because of their yeah. links to terrorism, like, he, he, he is, in essence, explains the plot of Home Alone 3 to Alex's family. And at that moment, the movie attempts to explain itself, and the light goes out of the movie's eyes, because not even the movie buys into what it just said about itself. I'll be back in a few minutes. You fellows keep on going. Wow, you are really desperate <laughs> to get out of this. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he's, he's totally just disavowing this. Um... But again, so are we gonna, the, we're going to start talking about Twilight now. No, no, no we're going to talk about we're going <laughs> to talk about Home Alone three. Podcast on course. Again, I don't know how the like. Explain to me how does it get resolved? What's the resolution? Well, um, the well, uh, a couple of things happen. For two of two of the bad guys, one of one of Alex's traps is that he they have a pool in their backyard, and he puts a trampoline over the pool but rigs the trampoline so that it will tear or fall apart. It's completely unclear exactly what he did, but he, he rigged the family trampoline. Uh, so when they chase Alex to the attic and can't find him in the attic and see an open window, they think, he, he jumped out the window and landed on that trampoline. None of them noticing the electric dumbwaiter that's in the attic, which, by the way, I call bullshit on the electric dumbwaiter, which can be operated from the inside. Um, but... So the two of the two of the bad guys they jump out of the, they jump out of the top floor and land on the trampoline which rips and they fall in the pool and are basically stuck in the pool they get frozen in the pool they probably lost some fingers uh, the lady spy she just gets continually beaten up I think she just stops fighting I I, I honestly don't remember what stops her all that do, uh, do you remember Russell well. What stops the uh, the woman? Yeah, like what what gets her? Like I I remember the two guys getting stuck in the pool. I don't. Oh no no! I remember. She tries. She spots the dumbwaiter after they get stuck in the pool. So she uses. The, so she gets into the dumbwaiter before checking to see whether the dumbwaiter ch- cart or, or, or chamber or whatever you call it, or lift is in the shaft. So she falls down three stories uh, yeah, in the yeah. basement. That's that's why she's all tangled up, and then they're kind of two guys are carrying her out, and she's all yeah, yeah, mangled so, and everything. And so doesn't she, she fall on top of like one of the one of the other robbers? Yeah, yeah. So she suffers irreparable spine damage. So finally, Alex is trying to get Miss Hess untied, and the leader comes in and is just going to shoot uh, Alex. Uh, and then it turns out that he got his real gun mixed up with a dart gun. But then Alex draws the real gun and scares him away, but it is not the real gun. It's his bubble gun, which we've only saw him make one fake gun. So he made two fake guns, and when does the switch happen? We don't know, because we've seen no clue that Alex is an expert at ledger domain. So <laughs> It's a cutscene. It, it wound up on the cutting room floor. Well, yeah, maybe so. He was doing magic tricks. So they all get captured except the leader. Well, the leader is hiding in an igloo in a different kid's backyard. And then the par- then Alex's parrot... Oh, yes, Alex has a parrot which can only speak in very scene-specific dialogue. The parrot goes oh, in the igloo and 
when the when the crook doesn't give him enough crackers, the parrot lights a match and lights fireworks, which are lining the inside of a neighbor's igloo. Yeah. And then it explodes, and presumably taking him with it. Yeah, that's how it ends, and I feel very upset. I mean, you know, one of the few jokes I liked in the movie involved the parrot, and I, I agree, this was a stupid joke, but the parrot liked to uh, sing the chorus of a, uh, a Motown uh, hit. Bad, bad Leroy Brown, baddest man in the whole damn town. Actually, that's not Motown, that's not Jim Croce. Oh, that's not Motown. Yeah, but it's a great song. Uh, I agree, I, I enjoy the song, and I, uh, it just made me think of how much I like that song, and I haven't heard it in several years. Oh, but so, hey, I, I hate the parrot because of the exact same thing. Uh, we have to have another fake, the, because the fake shower scene in Home Alone 2 was such a success. Oh, yeah, yeah, One yeah. of Kevin's traps, he has, he takes a nude poster that his brother has, cuts it out, hangs it in the shower, turns it on, and has the parrot in there singing in the shower. Even though the parrot sounds like a 115-year-old woman when it sings. <laughs> so, so the bad guys who, as far as they know, the only person in the house is this kid, but you hear a 115-year-old woman singing in the shower, oh, you got to see that. You can just see the rape in their eyes as as they go in there. But what, what pisses me off about that scene is that the song the parrot is singing in the shower, and no, not singing, butchering, is Green Eyed Lady by Sugarloaf, which is just it's this amazing organ-heavy, <laughs> funky tune from the late 70s. And also the theme song for Dr. Madblood's movie. Uh, those of you who from Norfolk, Virginia will know exactly who I'm talking about. Well, you know, the actor that did the voice of the parrot, a certain Darren T. Mouse, uh, did the voice for Prancer in the uh, direct-to-video animated film Prancer Returns. Well, that's a sequel to a movie I didn't like. So, uh, so there you go. Um, we should wrap up talking about Home Alone 3. Please, the, God, just, yeah, the, just do it. The, the stinking piece of shit that it is. Should uh, we do the sequel game? No, is it not? Yes, we, we should do, just, I think before we do... Us. No, no, it's not. It's meant for little kids. Uh, it's not for humans. Let's no do one this let's... show acts like a human. No one speaks like a human. It is right. not for humans. So before we give our final thoughts in Home Alone 3, and uh, Russell, I want to thank you again for coming on this uh, episode. Oh, of the thank, sequel cast. thank you very much. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Uh, we'll do the uh, brand new sequel cast pitch a sequel game pretend that the sequel after Home Alone 3 in this case being Home Alone 4 taking back the house never happened if you were to pitch to a Hollywood executive what Home Alone 4 would be uh, what would it be so um, I I, I will start because I often have the worst ideas (laughs) (laughs) so I'll pretend that Home Alone 3 did well and you gotta use Alex in another film and I think what you would do is the kid would be in high school trying to put this traumatic experience of people breaking into his house behind him. And uh, he gets in trouble in school. He's put in detention because uh, he was using a gadget to get a high score and test. And because of that, they threw him into detention. And while he's in detention, for some reason, robbers decide to rob the, uh, to rob the high school that he's in. And so he has to defend his uh, high school from these these crooks because otherwise they'll think that he as the delinquent high school student would have caused a fake mess to uh, avoid being in detention so home alone 4 ironically would have taken place in a high school detention hall home alone meets breakfast club if you will 
Uh, Jersey Jason, what's your pitch on Home Alone 4, pretending uh, Home Alone, the actual Home Alone 4 never happened? Okay. The kid is home from school. Same actor? Who, uh, what? Same actor? It doesn't oh, same yet. actor. Older. Okay. Like, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, say, let's say high school. Okay. Through his telescope, he witnesses a murder done by one of his neighbors. <laughs> and that neighbor knows that he saw something. Because he tried yeah. calling the cops, and the okay. same guy from Scrub shows up, the janitor, yeah. as the cop. Nobody <laughs> believes him. Yeah. But, of course, now the guy knows that somebody saw him. He's going to kill the kid. Oh, The kid has nice. to rig his house to okay. not be murdered. <laughs> All right. And if he's unsuccessful, he'll die. Uh, um, so either either possibly yeah. one of the brothers and the one of the brothers of the sister at some point in the movie is taken hostage, um, or a love interest who's over at the same time. But it's very much Rear Window or uh, what's that? Disturbia is that the movie? Yes, with, and you know yeah. with, with Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf or as I like to call him Shia LaDouche, uh, did a right. um, there was a lawsuit involved with that film with the uh, the original writer of the short story that the Hitchcock film uh, Rear Window was based off of saying that this took way too much from the plot of his short story, and they settled out of court. And um, Disturbia was a Spielberg-produced uh, movie, a DreamWorks film, I believe. And, see, kids, uh, if, if you see somebody kill somebody through a telescope, don't tell anybody. Well, and I'd like to say, as far as Rear Window goes, they did a TV movie directed and starring Christopher Reeve of Superman fame uh, in, in the lead. You know, and he was actually, at that point, a uh, heavily disabled, a gimp. I don't know what you want to say, it, right? Wow! Wow! Okay. No, he was disabled. He was handicapped. Just say the truth. He was paralyzed because of a spinal injury. From a horse right. You, you don't need to go horse. shitting on him. Okay. Wow. And um, he, you know, directed the film well. And there was a, there was a scene in there where he takes his ventilator out of his mouth and that was filmed for real no special effects so anyway i'm uh, i i i'm certainly uh, reserve myself a place in hell for that joke uh russell yeah. if yes. you could pitch a home alone for pretending the little known uh made for tv sequel that we're covering next week on the show home alone for taking back the house did not exist what would you pitch to a hollywood executive for home alone for all right, so what I want to do is I want to bring back Macaulay Culkin. Excellent. He's, he's coming back. He's coming yeah. back. Okay. And he's, he's now a college student. Hmm. He's, right. uh, he's uh, let's just say he's 20 or something, okay. something like that. He's doing a research project. So this is like Home Alone meets Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. So okay. he's, he's, he's in the library, and he's, he's doing research, and he's, he finds some sort of uh, artifact. And okay. these robbers are coming in, and he, he's by himself. He gets locked at night while he's studying in the library, and he has to set up the entire library to <laughs> defend against all these guys. And he has all the stuff as the same thing as in Indiana Jones, where he has to go into the, uh, the basement and break through the, the flooring gotcha. and okay. all that stuff to get to it. And no, we're also wh- bringing, why is we're he bringing back yes. the library. I'm sorry. He he's he found this artifact while he's doing okay. some research. All right, somewhere in there, yeah. little little cross between it. And we're bringing back John Williams too because the sure. I thought the music was definitely uh, a downgrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this film, the third one. 
Oh, that's that. You know, that's a pretty clever idea. It makes you wonder if they would would the film be rated R then, with it being an older kid. Yes, yes, More we're, we're okay. bump, bumping it up from what was it, PG, PG yeah. thirteen? I don't PG all the way to R. I see. That, that, that you know, that's a pretty neat idea. It's a. Uh, I'm surprised um, as of the recording of this podcast in December 2011, they haven't remade Home Alone. But I, I, I kind of think they will at some point. I don't know. I think it's such a strong uh, franchise that people have fond memories of. And it's something you could do a lot more with. And although Macaulay Culkin uh, was so, I, I think, really charming in the first film especially, but a little bit in the second film, that uh, you could do a lot with this basic formula or setup. And would you say this is somewhat of a reboot, too? Because it's yes, not really I, I anything. Would. I would. Even though it has three after the title, it's a new yeah. kid in the lead. It was obviously meant to be a start of a new franchise with, with, with this actor, which didn't quite happen for whatever reason. This movie was uh, appears to have been profitable, but not in the uh, insane sense as the other films were. Do you want to hear my pitch? Uh, yes, I'm sorry, Thrasher. I thought you pitched something. No, no, I didn't. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> so here's my here's here's my pitch. It's a few few years later, and yeah. Alex, uh, because he's such a smart, clever kid, he he's earned his way to a special placement uh, foreign exchange student program. Okay. So he is sent to live with a host family in North Korea, which, if you'll remember, is where <laughs> apparently the terrorists are from. Yeah, yeah. Want yeah. the okay. missile chips? Uh, so. So he's with his host family. Well, one well uh, after getting nice and comfortable in, in the and uh, in the host family's place, and after a few culture shock jokes, um, the entire host family in the middle of the night is abducted and executed by Kim Jong Il, <laughs> uh, and then uh, the terrorists, knowing that the kid who foiled their plan to get the chip is in the country, they lay siege to his host family's house. So he has to rig up all these death traps using bamboo and uh, and like what you know whatever material that he can find like pun like he'll dig pits with sharpened bamboo sticks and punji sticks and stuff like that in it. Uh, he's trying to fight off the terrorists who who do fully intend to kill him. And then in the end, uh, he meets Kim Jong Il and teaches him something very important about family. Hmm. Uh, topical, I think. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I, I don't want to get too political, but uh, you know, okay, yes. that, 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 that's a uh, that, that, that's a car from Savannah, Georgia. I assume for for, for a dramatic. Uh, no, emphasis. that's not on my side. Because no, no. I had my mic. I had my mic uh, muted. Okay, no, no, that. That was from me. Some jerk with a really loud, messed-up engine just came <laughs> screeching uh, up the uh, perpendicular road at the end of my block. Figures. Uh, I, I but think... actually, that car's there to pick you up, uh, Uncle Milkshake, so I think it's time to wrap this up. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I do think it's time to wrap this up. Uh, so in conclusion, let's all give brief thoughts what we thought about Home Alone 3. Uh, as for myself, Home Alone 3... You know, I, I went into this with trepidation, and it was not enough trepidation. I had to drink heavily and take five separate occasions to watch clips of this film to get through it on a, a Netflix watch instantly in the United States. I did not enjoy this movie. 
I felt ashamed to have watched this film. I, I, I could clearly tell this is meant for a much younger audience. And even then, the, the sweetness, the schmaltziness, however you want to put it, did not pull me into the film. And I truly dread, uh, in the future, looking at Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House, a direct-to-video movie that, besides all being direct-to-video, uh, is sort of, as I understand it, an interquel between Home Alone 1 and 2. Um, so, uh, Jason. I, I couldn't get through it. I could not get through this movie. You're, you are a better man than me, Uncle Milkshake. No, I'm not. I wasted my I, time. I couldn't get through it. Yeah. Like, I watched, I only watched till like, when they got to the house. I'm like, I can't even watch the traps. I was so utterly just bored to tears. Yep. I I just, I couldn't get over the nonsense. I couldn't get over some of the potty humor. I just couldn't get over some of the acting and just, I hate to say this, John Hughes really disappointed me in this. Um, I really would like to talk to, um, sorry, I really would like to talk to Susanna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to know what she thinks of this. Susanna, please contact us. Okay. Um, I'll I'll send her a message ah. on Facebook. Uh, Yeah, I got a second. There are feces all over this movie. Is there that many poop jokes? I don't recall a lot of. Well, well remember, remember, like when one of the, the bad guys accidentally fires his gun off and he hits a sewage ah, pipe. Yeah, yeah. And brown yeah. goo. Oh no! It's all no. over. I already almost forgot about that. Like that, that's yeah. pretty harsh. Oh, and also, remember at the end of the film, we see all the crooks getting their mug shots taken, and they all have chicken pox. So we can only presume they all died from chicken pox later. Because none so of them were that's, that's why they're not in any of our Home Alone 4 pitches. All these crooks <laughs> are gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess my final thoughts... Yeah, it, It's just not that good of a movie. It's, it's, it's far too complicated in pr- both premise and execution. N- no one talked like an authentic human being. Like, the kid... Alex says amusing. No kid uses the word amusing. Few adults use the word amusing, and even when it is used, it's 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 pretty damn sarcastic. Yeah, there, yeah there's just, there's not much, even as a bad movie, it's difficult to watch. Yeah. Uh, Russell, what did you think about yes. her? I appreciate you taking the bullet and uh, renting this from oh, the yeah. movie theater uh, to yeah. talk about this on sequel, or renting it from a library, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I got <laughs> it from the library. Yeah. I, I had heard so, so much negative feedback about it years ago even when it came out in the movie theater hmm. that I just said I'm never going to watch this movie until yesterday. <laughs> okay, yeah. And <laughs> I I'm I should have just done let let it let it keep going. Okay. And not seen the movie at all. It was it was just way too cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it even it dated itself even more so than any of the previous two sequels. I mean you with the music the pre- or movies. Oh, because just overall the technology, yeah. everything. Mm, yeah, you you could you could pull out Home Alone one, and you know you'd have a great time watching the first one, and you wouldn't really even know too much that it was you know early nineties. This one, it's getting to late nineties already, and it feels feels like an older movie. Yeah, you know, before the month of December started, Thrasher and I heavily debated on whether uh, for the month of December sequel cast should do the Santa Claus uh, trilogy films with Tim Allen or the Home Alone quadrilogy. 
And I'm beginning to wonder whether we made the wrong choice. But um, <laughs> we have one more film to go. So uh, so you can check out SequelCast at SequelCast.com. Send us an email, SequelCast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, just search SequelCast. Or um, if you like the show or hate it, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Just look up SequelCast and leave a review on there. And we also have a blog at SequelCast.blogspot.com. Um, this is uh, Matt. Thrasher reminding you that this movie is little more than a commercial for the mutator. Jersey Jason. And uh, I guess Jersey Russell then. Yeah, and, uh, and Jersey Russell. Uh, saying, um... Alex slammed his thing in the toilet. See it again. Uh, <laughs> <on>. Yes. <laughs> now, was that his penis, necessarily? It has something to be, else. which means... His he's, testicles. He's hung his like balls. a Clydesdale, but that he's so dumb, he slams it in the seat. <laughs> but then everyone in the house likes it. Maybe he's uncircumcised, and part of the foreskin was stretched by the toilet seat slamming... Uh, Guys, stop talking penis. about little oh, genitals. Oh, oh, we're in trouble. Okay, uh, <laughs> so tune in uh, next time in the sequel cast, where it'll either be a home alone episode, or I, I believe it might be a special episode. I can't recall about. Oh, I, I'm not going to keep on talking. I'm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, go to sequelcast.com. Look up sequelcast on Facebook. Uh, good night. Good night. All right. All right. That was a really Good fun night. episode. Thank you very much, Russell. We'll let oh, you know when no, it comes on. No problem. Online. No problem. It's sure. a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah, thanks, Russell. Seriously. We could have gone for three <laughs> hours on that. Oh, God. <laughs> is, is the fourth movie supposed to be even worse than this one? You know, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I, I saw a commercial for it. Fine. And uh, the thing I know about the fourth one is it's supposed to be Kevin McAllister played by a different actor. And for, for Marv, which was played by, um, oh, what's the guy? Daniel Stern in the first two films. Instead, it's played by French Stewart, the tall, lanky retard from Third Night uh. in the Sun. So you, you do not know how to say things in a way that aren't terrible, do you? <laughs> retard, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to get letters. We're going to get letters. I hope we get letters. That'd be publicity. You're going to get punches. I hope so. Uh, Okay. Good night, Russell. All right. Good night, guys. Okay. See you, man. Good night.